This is the Hawthorne 73 Drive Podcast. Design, rigor, innovate, victory, everyone. What's driving you? Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the D73 Drive Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Reed, the Director of Instructional Technology for Hawthorne School District 73 in Vernon Hills, Illinois, and my partner in crime over here. Hello, everybody. This is Karen Maturo, um, Assistant Superintendent of Innovative Learning. We're very excited to be here again today. I should have called you my partner in rigor, since that's, that's right. our letter for today. And we are partners and, and in rigor. We are partners in we rigor. We talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, letter today is for uh, out of our DRIVE acronym is R for rigor. And last time we talked a little bit, uh, if you've read the book, Rigor is Not a Four-Letter Word by Barbara Blackburn, we talked about some questioning strategies that you can use to enhance rigor in your classroom. And so we're coming back with another portion from that book today, and we're talking about raising expectations. Um, so kind of to get us kicked off here, I mean, just some of the things to think about. What are the expectations that we have for our students and how can that shape how our students achieve in our classrooms? And and I think it's so interesting. We we talk a lot about like teachers' expectations, but like we're going to be talking a lot too about the opportunity myth, which Mm -hmm. was a study done with like, they reviewed like 5,000 assignments. They observed thousands of lessons. They worked with five diverse school districts and it's from the um, New Teacher Project. Mm -hmm. But basically they talked about two kids have high expectations for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this was a, a like a, a huge 94% of students that they talked to believe that they could and should go to college. Mm-hmm. Like So we're starting with kids who believe in themselves, have these high expecta- expectations for yeah. themselves. So as instructors, we've got to have these high expectations for them too. So I think that was is important to note. Yeah. So in the Art and Science of Teaching by Marzano, he does talk about how we tend to behave with regard to high achieving students versus low achieving students, mm-hmm. um, that we tend to give less time, less interaction, whether that's eye contact, praise, nonverbal cues, um, less wait time for low achieving students, fewer opportunities to answer. Oftentimes teachers, and I was guilty of this too, teachers will get impatient and just start to answer for them Mm -hmm. if they take too long to answer. Um, Less feedback, less intentional and detailed feedback, um, and less follow-up for the students too. So I think that research is so interesting. We're going to talk too about the Pygmalion theory, Mm -hmm. which we know that this study has been conducted, I believe, we probably should do a fact check, but since the early 50s where every year um, researchers go into classrooms and give them a few students' names. John Reed is going to really grow this year. Mm -hmm. Karen Maturo is going to grow this year. We've done all these studies or tests, assessments, and they're all fake, that are saying that these students are going to do well Mm -hmm. this year. And the research shows year after year, guess what happens? These students do well. And so there's all kinds of research on the Pygmalion theory. As John was saying too, they talk about how climate affects it. So if you um, don't believe in a student, believe it or not, you're nodding less, Mm -hmm. you don't smile as much, that whole climate, as you said too about feedback, there's less praise and less specific feedback. And we know from Hattie, he always talks about the thing about feedback is it's got to be specific. Here's the other thing. I think this is kind of like as we self-reflect, there's less energy invested into these students. Mm -hmm. They have researched it. Um, 
less time is spent with these students and different materials. Mm -hmm. And so that's another scary one. And they found that too in the opportunity myth. And then the other thing is like you said too about less tendency to call on them yeah. and to encourage them. Yeah. So they're getting in this pattern if you're, if we don't believe in you, we're not calling on you as much. We don't want to embarrass you, mm -hmm. so we, we're gonna leave you alone. Yeah. And we know that that's um, yeah. not something we want to do because yeah. we know it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we're saying you're gonna do well, we start to treat you that yeah. way. Your be our behaviors affect how you believe about yourself. Yeah. It's proven. And I'll and I'll give you I'll even give you a personal example now. Before I, I'll preface all this by saying I fully recognize that. I come from a privileged background. You know, I, my family, we always had plenty. My dad was educated, my mom was educated. We always had books in the house. We always had resources and, and whatever we needed. Um, and my parents always supported whatever we needed for our education, for anything like that. When we lived, I think I might've mentioned before, we moved over to, to England for a few years. And we lived um, kind of near London and I went to an all boys British school. And I was the only American in the school. And my, I think it was my second year there, so it would have been about sixth grade. Um, the other kids, they had kind of started to divide up the kids, and so the kids who got better scores on some of their other classes, those kids, everybody had to take French. But if you got better scores, if you were better academically, you also took Latin. Hmm. Um, if you did not have good scores, you took a Roman history course. <laughs> you didn't get to learn the language, but you learned Roman history. Okay. And hmm. my, my, remember my mom, she went to the principal's office. It was a fairly small school, right. but she went to the principal's office and said, um, well, he would, and I was interested. I, I'm like, I'd like to learn Latin. I think that'd right. be cool. And so my mom said, well, why don't you give him the opportunity to learn Latin as well? And they said, well, um, you know, scores and this. And it, she said, look, he's only been here for, for less than a year, so he really hasn't had the opportunity to get mm -hmm. the scores that you would need for. And the guy came right out and he said it. He said, well, America always falls behind other countries in education. And so hey. because he's an American, we don't think that he is capable of handling a couple of languages at once and we don't think he's capable of this and my mom had some choice words for mm -hmm. the principal and basically said give him a chance and so through kind of through her pestering she they said fine we'll give you a chance so they did i was in the same classroom with my other classmates but they put me off to the side and basically handed me a book the teacher wow. said I think you can do this, but I, I got to focus on these kids, so do your own thing. So I was getting encouragement from home. Um, the teacher, when the teacher kind of saw what I was doing working on my own, I started to get more encouragement mm -hmm. from that. But just starting to be told, okay, we'll give you a chance. Right. We'll let you do that. We'll give yeah. you some time. We'll give you materials. My parents bought a couple of books. Like We didn't get a tutor, but they bought right. me a couple books and said, here, this may help out. Um, being given that opportunity and then progressively as the teacher saw what I was doing on my own started to give me more time, more attention, more praise, more, more feedback, support. more support. And I ended up by the end of that, actually halfway through that year in six months or so, I had actually caught up with the other kids. So then I got to integrate myself into the rest of the it class. Just like the research. I, it was basically like the research. The research. Yeah. And so as, as you read the opportunity myth, this is exactly what they talk about. Yeah. They talk about if students who are below or behind mm -hmm. or whatever we're saying that they are, if they have grade appropriate assignments, mm -hmm. and we're not talking grade level. Right. Like I think there's a difference. Like, oh, grade appropriate means the actions 
the things that they're doing are for that grade level. So a 12-year-old should be able to compare and contrast multiple pieces of text, mm -hmm. right? It's like, so those are the assignments that we're giving them. Mm -hmm. If they have strong instruction, we mm -hmm. know that's, we. Yeah. how many times have we talked about that? There's a common theme. Yeah. Going through these podcasts, strong instruction, meaning they're doing things that matter. They're applying, they're transferring. If they're deeply engaged, kids are, concerned they things are relevant it's real world and the teacher has high expectations we know from all the research kids is it they grow in six months or so something six they or seven months yeah. they catch mm -hmm. up so these are the kinds of things that we need to be doing in our classroom. Yeah. We can't wait. It's too it was, urgent. It was they made six or seven months of improvement. Of improvement. So let's say they were two years behind at the start of the mm -hmm. year. By the end of the year, if given all these things, right. they will only be about a year and a half behind. And and think of the cumulative effect right. of doing that over several years. Over several if years. If all your teachers did that for you over the course of several years, you'd be caught up. Exactly. And, and sometimes we talk about that when we look at like map data and right. things like that. We talk about, okay, well, we're making growth, but what about oh, the yeah. kids who are making double growth uh -huh. and things like that? Because if they're behind, they have to make more than typical growth to be able well, to get caught up and to be able to... And yeah. I think one of the things that we keep seeing in all the things we're reading about high expectations and rigorous instruction is that once a student starts seeing that they can make this progress, mm -hmm. Guess what happens to their behaviors? They yeah. start work like, hey, I look at how much growth I made. I can right. even double this. I can triple this. Right. If you're constantly being left in the dust, like you can't do this, or sorry, this might be too hard for yeah. you, well, you start believing that about mm -hmm. yourself. Like maybe I can't do this. Yeah. So, and, it I, is and I think this one of the big struggles too, as a as a classroom teacher in the trenches, and and I'm sure there's some people listening to this going, yeah, but you guys haven't been in the classroom for a while. You don't know what it's really like. Mm -hmm. I would argue and say that. Yes, it's, it's been a while since I've been in the classroom, but I remember as a teacher, I would try these things. I'd get frustrated because I'm like, man, I'm giving these kids, I'm giving these kids attention. I'm giving right. them time. I'm giving them, and it's just not working. But when I reflect back on that, it's because I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll believe in them. I'll give it to, and man, it, it's been a couple months and it's just not working. It's going to take more than a couple months. Exactly. Like it's, it's like trying to lose weight. Exactly. Like if you try to lose weight and you're like, well, it's been, like it's, been, it's been, it's been like a month and I don't see any progress after a month. Right. It's going to take a while. Like it's, you have kids that probably have very ingrained beliefs that other people have put into them that you are working to undo. And unfortunately, Absolutely. the way we're set up, you have your kids for a year and you just have to do what you can do to undo maybe some of what was done in the past. I and think it's something you and I talked about before we started this podcast. If you, if you truly believe all sixth graders could read, write, listen, speak, mm -hmm. When you spend extra time with the student, it's because you have that belief. Yeah. You're not here yet, but you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to spend this time because you're eventually going to get there. Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, you don't have this belief in this kid, so the time feels mm -hmm. wasted. Like, why am I spending and all this And our MTSS extra? process right. supports that, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so uh, one of the things that you can try in your classroom, uh, in this book, Rigor is Not a Four-Letter four Word, Barbara Blackburn talks about giving your students your best, and that's the acronym, B-E-S-T, belief that they are important, valued, and capable. We know our teachers do that. Now, encouragement, appropriate praise, feedback, nonverbal cues. Sometimes it's body language. Like mm -hmm. sometimes there may be totally. things you're doing unintentionally uh, that communicate to a student that, you know, I, I'm not sure you can do this, or I don't have full confidence that you can do this. So just be aware of some of those things. Smile. Too. Nah. This is why, and you and I have talked about this before. This is why 
videotaping yourself as you are mm-hmm. teaching is a great way great idea. Um, because you can actually see your own body language. Mm-hmm. I Before I videotaped myself teaching back years ago, I did not realize, oh, that's how I stand? Okay, well, that's weird. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm always folding my arms. I'm not looking like I'm very interested Opening. in what the students are doing, open. very open and all those things. So that's why videotaping yourself yes. as a teacher is a really good idea. Even if you don't ever show it to anyone other than yourself, mm-hmm. do that and take a look at the video and see what you might unintentionally be communicating there. The S in best is support, scaffolding for their success, just making sure that they have the support that they need to be successful because they may not, they won't be able to do it on their own. That's right. why you're there. You're their teacher. And time. Give them time to reflect and respond. Give extra feedback. Give extra positive comments. Give them give them that extra wait time. You right. know, students take longer to some students take longer to process things and and I'm guilty of it too. When you're standing there in class and you're waiting for somebody to answer and you just go, All right, we gotta move on, so I'm gonna answer for you that doesn't do that does that does a disservice to everyone. And get parents involved. Like when yeah. I had students who were, you know, behind a year or two I talk to the parents and yeah. say, I need more time. Yeah. So you have to help me with this at home. You've got to help make sure that he's doing or she's doing A, yeah. B, and C. Give them feedback, support them, and that time made a huge difference. Yeah. You can't do it all on your own. Yeah. So before we end today, I wanted to give you an example from the book that I think would be a good, quick and easy way for you to implement some of these things. Um, what she puts in her book is there's a chart, and she has a chart on down the left-hand side of the chart. It says student one, two, three, four, five, and on the top of the chart, it has the B for belief, E for encouragement, S for support, and T for time, and it says just pick five students. Pick five students, and for student number one, what are some ways I can give that student my belief? Mm -hmm. What are ways I can give my encouragement, my support, my time? Student two, same thing. Do that for five students. Try that. Keep a record of that so you've got it in front of you. Okay, what did I say I was going to do for this student this week? And student number two, what am I going to do for this student this week? And just track some of that and see what it does and see what a change it might make in your students because I pretty much guarantee you're going to see a change. If you do that and do it, Faithfully, you will see a change. Definitely. All right. Well, I think we're down to our last three episodes. After this one, we're down to our last three episodes for the year. Uh, We'll take a little bit of a break in the summertime, but we'll be back in the fall. So next week, we've got our last Innovate episode for the year. Then we'll have our last Victory episode and our last Every One. So Mm -hmm. uh, you've got three more times with us. So cherish them all. (laughs) Don't miss a single one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank Thank you, Karen. Thank you. All right. We'll be back here next week with Innovate. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the D73 Drive podcast. Design, rigor, innovate, victory, everyone. What's driving you?